everyone. Welcome back to the webinar series, Embracing Change. Um, today is a very special day. Um, two things. One, it's my younger son Kazim's birthday. And it's actually the seven year anniversary of genetic care. So to mark that day, and um, this webinar series actually was created. We haven't really said this to anyone. And we have a very special guest today. I remember I was with my spiritual master many years ago and he handed me a book because I had run out of the books to read. And um, he, I, I read the book, landed in Hong Kong, picked up the phone and ended up speaking to Santo. And a week later, there I was in Singapore doing a one day retreat based on a book called The Anatomy of Peace. Since then, some of the families who are, who are watching and some of them who will listen to the, to the video um, have read that book along with Conscious Parenting, A New Earth, to really reflect on their way of being in terms of the imposition, the expectation, and the judgment they may have on their loved ones. And since then, uh, the Arbiter Institute has written a book called The Outward Mindset, which today Santa will be sharing as he shares um, his, his, the tactics and, and uh, how to strengthen the bonds and relationship and neutralize conflict. So I'd like to welcome a dear friend, somebody who was there during a very painful moment in my life during that day and, and, and since then. Uh, somebody I love working with and is incredible facilitator, leader, and beautiful soul. So welcome, Santo. Thank you very much for the generosity of your time. And uh, let, I, I, I know this is going to be really fun and very engaging. So get ready to type when uh, Santo says, please share your thoughts. Welcome, Santo. Thank you so much, Fiza. It's an honor to be part of your webinar series, and uh, we've been talking quite a lot in the past few weeks. Uh, it's been always a pleasure working with you, talking to you, and learning from you. And I'm really looking forward to sharing these ideas, Arbinja ideas, in this webinar. Together with me, I have my wife, Muller, who's sitting beside me. Yeah? And uh, because we're talking about family, I thought it would make sense if we actually work through a problem together. You know? So that's why she'll be here for the first part of the webinar and then I'll say uh, bye to her, okay, right? All right, now, if I, I wanna make this interactive. So during the presentation, I will be inviting you to share your thoughts. You may wish to share your thoughts on the chat box, okay? All right, now we are in exceptional times. Rarely have so many families spend so much time together. And as a result, there are many positives. Families, individuals are rediscovering their loved ones. There are strengthens relationships. There's more understanding. There's more support for each other. But on the other side, there are many families who are struggling with a prolonged proximity to each other. There's more tension, more conflict. People are starting to doubt decisions, choices, stress. In fact, in China, the lockdown resulted in a spike in divorce rates. And in the US, Domestic violence support groups reported a surge in calls because of violence. So while there are a lot of positives, there are also negatives some people are suffering. So today's presentation is inviting us to consider ways we can strengthen the positives and minimize the negatives. Now, here's the thing. As long as we live with each other, it is not uncommon to find things that family members do triggers in us feelings of blame, anger, irritation, and more. And when this happens, it can either ruin the moment, ruin the day, and other times, it could lead to family members not talking, avoiding each other for days and sometimes weeks. So it is so important to know our triggers. What triggers us? What creates this you know, uh, blaming type of emotion within us? Let me give you some of my own triggers, okay? For example, let's say we agreed on a particular time to do a particular activity at home, and then I'm waiting past the agreed time. I tend to get triggered. When people don't do the basics that are expected of them, I tend to get triggered. 
I love chocolates and sweets. When people comment about my snacking, I get triggered. Now, Malur, what about you? What do you get triggered by at home? Okay, so some of my triggers, I think uh, one trigger is uh, when the house is messy, I get triggered. Um, another one is when people don't show up on time, when we plan something and people don't come on time. Uh, another one is uh, when my husband is constantly snacking. <laughs> okay, so she gets triggered when I snack and I get triggered when she comments about my snacking. So we're going to build a model with that. But before we do that, right, I'd like to encourage you now to share in the chat box some situations at home that trigger blame, anger, irritation, annoyance, etc. in you. Can you please type it into the chat box? Disorder, man, disorderly manner, trying to fuss around to help. Uh, I can identify with the snacking somebody said. <laughs> okay. What else? What else triggers you at home? Not listening to me properly. Sleepless when things are dirty. I get triggered when I feel uh, don't make myself understood by others. Uh, what programs to watch as a family that triggers a dirty house? What else? Okay, let's go with these things, right? So you notice the things that procrastination, somebody said, not learning for kids. Okay, so you can see, right, the, the things that procrastination, the things that trigger us are quite universal. And it can spoil the day, spoil the moment. Somebody said, what's next for dinner? <laughs> so there are a lot of things that trigger us. My teenager always bossing me around. She's my only trigger. Her lack of participation in household chores, somebody said. When things are not kept at a proper place. Interesting, right? And you notice, right, all these little things can just ruin the moment, ruin the day. Somebody said, having responsibility while other members of the family are having fun without you. That means you have to do chores and do other things, but others are not even bothered and they're having fun. Okay, great. So let's work with these things, okay? So now, here's the thing. At home, it's locked down. So you can see an MRT line, a, a train line. Everything is about home lockdown. And Muller gets annoyed, triggered when I snack. And I get annoyed when she comments about my snacking. So we're going to build a, a model around this, okay? So we have Muller and me, and I'm going to build the story from my perspective, okay? Now, so this is what Muller does, passes comments when I snack. And you know what? It triggers me. It bothers me. And in Arbinger, we use a metaphor. When this happens, I get into the box. I start to operate with an inward mindset. Now, help me out here. If I'm triggered, when this bothers me, how do you think I might start to see Muller when she's doing when she's doing this? Please type your thoughts in the chat box. How do you think I might see Muller if it bothers me? Right? Annoying, caring, engaging, intrusive, somebody said, inward. An irritant, somebody said. You get annoyed and see Muller as a mother telling you off. Interesting. How else do you think I might see Muller in that moment if it bothers me, if I'm triggered? Bossy. Disturbing, smothering me. Fantastic. Okay. Now, this is how I actually see her in those moments, you know? Yeah. Uh, somebody said, I think she actually loves you and she wants to engage you, right? Now, uh, that might be true, but if it's bothering me, am I thinking of it like that? 
actually how I'm thinking about her when it bothers me, right, is like this. She's unpleasant to be with, offending, rude, violating my rights, does not let me be who I want to be, doesn't care, not easy to be with, doesn't respect me. You notice how when I'm bothered, when it triggers me, the way I see her is fundamentally biased. Now, let's push this. Now, if this is how I see her when I'm inward, when I'm bothered, when I'm seeing Malur in the ways I've listed below, how do you think I might act toward her? What kind of things might I do? What might my response be if I'm in the, in the box, inward mindset? Help me again, type in the chat box. Ignore her, somebody said. Red flag, aggressive tone, angry. Snap at her. Evasive, answer harshly, get defensive, annoyed. Poke back with something that irritates you, irritated, telling her off. Yeah, you know what? You are not wrong at all. Let me now share with you how I actually respond in a situation like this. I don't care. I do what I want. I snack more. I don't listen to what she has to say. Now remember this, Muller gets triggered when I snack. So now the question is, how do you think Muller might see me when I, when she's triggered and when I'm snacking? Help me out here. Please type in the chat box. How do you think Muller might see me, think of me, when she's triggered herself about my snacking? She gets annoyed, not again. She might get defensive, gets even angrier, tries to stop you from eating, disturbed, shouts at you. Yeah. Now, let's ask Muller, how do you see me in those moments? Well, I, I see him as being uh, not very understanding. Uh, I feel that he has no self-control. Uh, he doesn't seem to care about his health. Um, he doesn't respect me. Uh, I'm telling him something and he's not listening. And I think that he's not being a good role model to our children. So just, just look at that, right? So now, if this is how Muller sees me, okay? Everything that we have in the chat box, so in, in the quadrant forward, right? Would it make the situation better? Or will it make it worse? It's going to get worse. She's going to comment more on my snacking. And I'm going to be offended by her comments. And I'm going to do more of the things that she doesn't like, right? And then she's going to see more of the things that she doesn't like. And it's going to go on and on and on. And on. Now, this is very troubling, right? So let's explore some questions here. Now, in this situation, who's creating the problem? Look at what we're doing. Both of us are convinced that the person creating the problem is the other person. Now in this story, who thinks you're creating a problem? No one. In this story, who needs to change? Look at that again. Both of us are convinced the other person needs to change. So here's a question. Who thinks they need to change? Again, no one. Who's likely to change? No one. How long might this go on? Well, we are married for 27 years and it's still going on and I'm still snacking and she's still annoyed by my snacking. But if you were to ask me what I want most in the situation relationship, what do you think I might say? Loving relationship, understanding, respectful, accommodating, we give in, we have peace at home, we have, you know, we have good conversations. Same thing, if I would ask Muller what she wants most in this situation, in this relationship, what do you think she might say? Muller, what, what would you say you want in this relationship? I would say I want to have a peaceful home, uh, a good relationship, meaningful conversations, uh, understanding, no conflict. Mm -hmm. but, but, but just think about it, right? But the ways we think about each other and the ways we respond to each other, is it inviting what we want? No. What is it inviting? Exactly the opposite. 
And this is insane. And this is what the inward mindset does in families. When we are triggered, we end up inviting the very things we're complaining about. And we call this, right, a, a, a particular word. We use a word called collusion, and I'll talk about it a bit more. So now, given this predicament, what do you think are the costs and consequences for the family? Again, please type in the chat box. Yeah, somebody said, worst case, family can fall apart, walking apart at the end, losing the peace. Conflict, somebody said. Making it about something else, then it escalates, somebody said. Constantly feeling triggered, this annoyance doesn't go away. Heated argument with that children witness. Think about that. Right? So, yeah. So let's just look at some of the things that Muller and I thought about, right? So as a result of these type of collusions, right? So here's what's happened. Okay, this tension. The strained relationships, children get affected, it spoils the day, our work gets affected, we feel disillusioned, anger feeling mistreated, communication shuts down, mental health is affected, and negative emotions prevail. And like I earlier said, right, we call the situation a collusion, a conflict where the parties are inviting the very things they're complaining about, driven by self-focus, and a need for justification. Now, think about a situation like this. How do we address this problem? Let's explore some strategies. The first one, trying to change the other person. Will this help solve this problem? What about doing my best to cope with the other person? In this case, coping with Muller. Will that help solve the problem? What about leaving? Leaving the situation, avoiding, will that help? What about communicating, explaining, telling, teaching? Will that work? What about implementing new skills or techniques? I go for a polished course on polished communication. Will that make a difference? What about changing my behavior, obeying, complying, accommodating, compromising? Will any of these strategies work? You notice they will not work because the problem is still that I'm triggered, I'm bothered by it. That doesn't change. So this, we call this a mindset problem and behavioral solutions cannot help us address a mindset problem. A mindset problem requires a mindset solution. Okay, so we are talking about a mindset problem here and the mindset problem we are talking about is having an inward mindset where we are totally self-focused. Now, let me quickly introduce what an inward mindset looks like. Now, let's say this is me now with an inward mindset. Now, whenever I have an inward mindset, others don't matter like I matter. But I still have to live with you. I still have to be with you. I still have to work with you. But because you don't matter to me, your objectives, your needs, your challenges also don't matter to me. That means my objectives and behaviors are totally self-focused. I only think about what I need and what I'm going to do about it. That means who are you to me? In Arbinji, we say others become objects to me, objects of value. So here's a very important point. Whenever we are operating with an inward mindset, the way I view the world is only in terms of what value do you have for me? It's all about value. If you're useful to me, if you're helping me, I see you as a vehicle I can use. If you're making my life difficult, making it harder for me, I see you as an obstacle to blame. But if what you do has no real value for me, I see you as an irrelevancy to ignore. Just look at the emotional and cognitive coding whenever we're operating with an inward mindset. But here's the thing, right? 
a lot of people, right, think inward mindset is very bad, right? But actually, the inward mindset is a continuum in itself. It starts from a place where I'm seemingly innocent. I'm just doing my chores, my duties. I don't disturb anyone. I mind my own business. I'm living a values-based life and so on. It starts from that point to a place where I'm extreme and deliberate self-focus. I have extreme and deliberate self-focus. It actually stretches this entire continuum. But a lot of people actually think this place where I'm seemingly innocent, just doing my chores and duties, I don't disturb anyone, I mind my own business, I live, I'm living a values-based life, right? They actually think this is good, this is what we need. But actually what we are suggesting is that is actually the starting point of an inward mindset. As long as a common thread, a common factor remains across the continuum. The only thing that will be different is the severity of the consequence, but the predicament of the inward mindset will remain. And that common factor or common thread is this, not considering others and the impact we have on them. As long as this common factor thread does not is not present, okay? Even though I could be seemingly innocent, just living an innocent life, I'm still part of a problem. I'm still having an inward mindset and I'm actively contributing to problems. So let's try to understand what the inward mindset actually looks like. Okay, now uh, at this point, I'm gonna be doing a presentation all the way. So I'm gonna say thank you to Malik. Thank, thank you. you so much. Yeah, appreciate your time. Yeah, all right, cool. Now, so here's the thing, right? So the inward mindset actually looks like this. It starts with self-focus. There's blame. I could be blaming you. I could be blaming myself. I start to spend a lot of effort and time excusing my behaviors. I focus on others' mistakes. My main goal is to project innocence. I exaggerate the wrongdoing of others. And I exaggerate the correctness of my behaviors. And as a result, what are the consequences? Objectivity is lost. Subjectivity prevails. The loudest, most dominant voice or person prevails at home. The rest of the people have to settle and feel resigned and helpless. I lose my ability to consider my part of the problem helpful. So this is what an inward mindset looks like. The emotional and cognitive coding sets us up for conflict. Right? So the starting point of a conflict is when we have an inward mindset. We've already started the conflict and we're inviting other people into the conflict as well. But the beauty of life is this. I've yet to meet a single human being who's 100% inward mindset. We all seem to be mixed mindset people. That means there's another mindset that we all naturally operate from. And we call that the outward mindset. And when we are operating with an outward mindset, we naturally seem to be impact focused. And let me now quickly do an introduction about the outward mindset, right? So when, let's say this is me now with an outward mindset. And whenever I have an outward mindset, others matter like I matter. Others are people to me. And because you're a person, your needs, your goals, your challenges, your burdens, your worries matter to me. I'm concerned for them. And therefore, my objectives and behaviors take others into account. Now, I'm not doing your chores for you. I'm not doing your work, work for you, but I'm going to do my work in a way. I'm going to do my chores in a way that is mindful of any impact I might have on me. And the beauty is when I'm operating with an outward mindset, you don't have to tell me to do any of that. I'm naturally predisposed to being like that. So let's try to understand the outward mindset, the impact-focused mindset in a more detailed way. Now, here's the thing. When I'm operating with an outward mindset and being impact-focused, I'm naturally demonstrating some behaviors. I'm being more understanding and curious, being helpful. I make adjustments. I consider our wrongdoings. I build relationships. I consider my wrongdoings. I grow. I want to learn. I'm more considerate. I, I self-correct. I engage. I have honest conversations. I want to be happy. I contribute to the happiness of the family. These behaviors listed here, I'm naturally predisposed to demonstrating them when I have an outward mindset. You don't have to tell me to do it. But the thing is this, when people see these behaviors, 
the tendency is to start to focus on the behaviors itself. So the first question to ask is not, how can I get better at these behaviors? That is not the first question to ask. What we are suggesting to you is, the first question to ask is, how can I strengthen my outward mindset? Because when I start to strengthen my outward mindset, I'm naturally predisposed to demonstrating behaviors like this. And as I strengthen my outward mindset, the second phase question can be, okay, now that I'm naturally demonstrating them, how can I strengthen these behaviors? That becomes a phase two or a tier two question that we need to be considering. I'm just gonna look at the chat box in case there's a question that requires exploring. Okay. All right, now, so when we present the two mindsets, right? A lot of people have an objection that comes up and it comes up in every conversation we have when we introduce the two mindsets to people. And that is this, central, I can't argue with the two mindsets, but let me tell you in the real world, in my family, if I were to see others as people all the time, my behaviors will become soft. I'll have to be nice, compliant, I'll have to give in, I cannot be firm, I cannot be tough. And this means uh, I'll become weak, you know, People, you know, I won't be able to get things done. People may take advantage of me. It'll take more time to do anything. So this is a concern that crops up every time we present the two mindsets. So the question now is this, does the inward mindset always mean hard behaviors? And does the outward mindset always mean soft behaviors? Actually, what we are suggesting is not true. Our behaviors can be hard or soft, in either mindset, depending on the situation. Let's explore that now. Now, let me first introduce how our inward mindset behavior or our behaviors manifest when we are operating with an inward mindset. Now, remember this, when I'm inward, others are objects to me. And what we are suggesting is, even if people are objects to me, I can still be hard or soft in my behaviors. But there's one more condition. Your value matters to me. Are you a vehicle? obstacle or irrelevancy. Now, if you're a vehicle to me, meaning I need you, you're useful to me, then my hard behaviors will look like this. I'll manipulate, I'll threaten, I'll control. If you're an obstacle to me, making my life difficult, my hard behaviors might look like this. I'll criticize, I'll blame, I'll punish. But if you're an irrelevancy to me, I really don't need you, then my hard behaviors might look like this. I'll ignore, I'll exclude, I'll belittle. But here's a more interesting question. Let's say Faisal and I, we are both colleagues, you know? Now, when do you think I will be hard in my behaviors toward Faisal, if I have an inward mindset? Ah, that depends on the power equation. Faisal could be my boss, could be my subordinate, could be my peer, it doesn't matter. If I'm the stronger, more dominant personality in this relationship, am I likely to be hard or soft? Hard, right? Because I can get away with being hard. I'm the stronger, more dominant personality. So if I'm the stronger, more dominant personality in this relationship with Faisal, and Faisal is a vehicle to me, I will manipulate, I'll threaten, I'll control. If I'm the stronger, more dominant personality, but Faisal is an obstacle to me, I'll criticize, I'll punish, I'll blame. And if I'm the stronger, more dominant personality in this relationship with Faisal, but Faisal is an irrelevancy to me, I'll ignore, I'll exclude, I'll belittle. But let us say uh, Faisal is a stronger, more dominant personality in this relationship. Will I be hard or soft in my behaviors now? Soft, right? Because I can't get away with being hard. He's a stronger personality. So if he's a stronger, more dominant personality, but he's a vehicle to me, I need him. See what happens now. I'll indulge, I'll pander, I'll try to be liked. If Faisal is a stronger, more dominant personality, but he's an obstacle to me, look what happens now. I'll cope, I'll avoid, I will leave. And if he's a stronger, more dominant personality, but he's an irrelevancy to me, look what happens now. I'll engage in token niceties. I'll offer little feedback. Just look at the complexity of my behaviors when I have an inward mindset, because everything that I do, is a function of two factors. Number one is your value to me. Number two is a power equation. Now, 
let's look at our behaviors when we're operating with an outward mindset. When I'm operating with an outward mindset, others are people to me. And what we're suggesting is, even if you're a person to me, I can still be hard or soft in my behaviors, but there's no value consideration, whether you're a vehicle, obstacle, irrelevancy, that doesn't exist when I have an outward mindset. So my hard behaviors are straightforward. I set high expectations. I give real responsibility. I challenge. I give helpful correction. I give direct feedback. I have necessary difficult conversations. I can go to Faisal and say, hey, Faisal, can I understand the logic behind why you made that comment in the meeting? You know what? I found that very unhelpful. I think it actually took a wrong turn after you made that comment. Now, how long did that feedback or you know, a direct feedback take? A few seconds. But if I had an inward mindset, look at that. I have to now think power equation. He's a stronger personality. Better not give feedback. No, I'm the stronger personality. He's a vehicle to me. So how will I give feedback? He's an obstacle to me. How will I give feedback? He's an irrelevancy to me. How will I give feedback? Automatically, my mental process is so fast. It is able to adjust and give the feedback properly. I lose my ability to be straightforward, which only an outward mindset gives me that opportunity to do. I'm just going to check the chat box just in case there's some message that came through. Ah, yeah. Somebody asked, what if both people are dominant? Then you know what will happen? There'll be a clash. It'll be worse because nobody's giving. It's just going to get worse. The collusion will be even more, more stronger, more violent. I'm using the word violent in inverted commas. And if both people are soft, again, nothing gets handled. There's no honesty in the conversation. Now, let's look at the soft behaviors when we have an uh, outward mindset. Again, it's straightforward. I listen and learn. I offer help. I involve others. I show genuine appreciation. I acknowledge mistakes. I take correction easily. Okay, so now here's the thing, right? So you notice, let's say again, I make a mistake. I can just go to Faisal and say, hey, Faisal, my bad. I'm so sorry. My mistake. How long did that take? But if I'm inward, just look at that power equation. Let's say I'm the stronger personality. Hey, what if I say sorry uh, and Faisal thinks he can climb all over my head? Uh, better not say sorry. Look at that. My ability to say sorry has just been disabled. But let's say Faisal is a stronger personality. How will I say sorry? Huh, depends. If it's a vehicle to me, I will say sorry with butter, jam, Nutella, Kaya. There'll be a lot of buttressing. If he's an obstacle to me, how will I say sorry? Reluctantly. If it's an irrelevancy, how will I say sorry? Cursor really. Right? So you notice the same sorry either gets disabled or it takes on a very, very manipulated version tone the moment I have an inward mindset. Now, somebody asked, can you show me the crisscross of responses with hard and soft? So I think it's better to show you all the behaviors together, right? So you can see it. So as you can see here, right, you can see the, the complexity of our behaviors when we have an inward mindset, right? Everything we do is a function of the inward mindset behaviors, is a function of your value to me and the power equation. But when I have an outward mindset, I just do what I need to do in that moment. Okay, so this ability to be straightforward is not available as long as we're operating with an inward mindset. But here's the thing, right? So I'm just looking at the chat box again. Can you go back? Yeah. All right, cool. Now, so, so here's the thing, right? For the longest time, people categorize behaviors like this. They classify the hard behaviors as task-oriented and the soft behaviors as people-oriented. And this way of categorizing behaviors has been taught for decades. It is one of the flawed theories, and, but a lot of people were taught this. There's a huge problem with this because by categorizing behaviors like this, we told people these are people-oriented behaviors, meaning the soft behaviors are people-oriented, the others are task-oriented. That means if you're task-oriented, you cannot be seeing them as a person, right? That means as a leader, you have to sometimes see people as people and other times see people as objects. That is what people, a lot of people concluded. 
unfortunately. Not all, but a lot of people concluded like that. But there's a huge problem with this way of categorizing. Because think about it. Let's say I make a mistake and I say sorry to you, but I don't mean it. Can you tell? You can. Somehow you can tell. Let's say I say thank you to you, but I don't mean it. Can you tell? Again, somehow you can tell. So the question then is, what are people primarily responding to? Are they responding to our behaviors, our thank you, our sorry, and so on? Or are they responding to whether I meant it or not, my mindset? And you know the answer. People primarily respond to our mindset, right? And this brings out a very important lesson in influence. Now, the secret of influence is this, to be authentic, to see others as people. But do you know this, there's a secret about the secret? And the secret about the secret is this. I can't fake it. I can't fake authenticity. I can't fake my outward mindset. It somehow comes through. So again, you have this way of categorizing tasks versus people. And we'd like to invite you to consider unlearning this because this is very unhelpful. In, if at all, as a leader in the families, it undermines our ability to build better relationships. What we are suggesting is this, if we are truly outward, we can indeed be hard and soft in our behaviors. In fact, kindly watch the next animation. In fact, if I'm truly outward, you know what? I make no distinctions in behavior. I don't need to. I just respond as I feel right in any given moment that help others be responsible for their actions, their impact, and their and this freedom to demonstrate, to do the right thing at the right time is only possible if I'm not operating with self-concern. And that means I need to have an outward mindset. I'm free to do and respond as I feel right in any given moment. But straight away, a lot of people ask us this question. Senthil, I can't argue with the theory, but people tend to mistake my intentions. What do I do? But here's the thing, right? Remember this. We have no control over how other people view or respond to us. What do we have control over? We only have control over how we respond to their response or how we respond to their reaction. But if I'm worried about how you will respond to me, how Muller will respond to me, who controls me now? The other person. It is the greatest puppet show in the world. And guess who is a puppet? I am because I'm gonna to dance to every mood swing that people around me have in the family, at work. But the beauty is this, it doesn't have to be so, because there's a very important principle. And if we start to grow in our conviction for this principle, magic starts to happen in families and in businesses. And that is this, people respond primarily to our mindset, not our behaviors. And I'm gonna talk a bit more about this in a while, okay? Now, but you know what? No matter what we do, right? Because people are mixed mindset people. There will always be people who mistake us, you know, find fault with us, always distort what we're trying to say and so on. They misinterpret us. This is always the case. There will always be a group of people who mistake us. The question is, what do we do? And we only have two options here. One is we react to them. But the moment we react to them, who controls us now? They control us. The puppet show starts again. But what is the alternative now? To remain steadfast and consistent. And this is where leadership in a family, as a family member or in a business, becomes very, very critical. Because that is the only other option I have. I either react and continue the puppet show, meaning I become a puppet of others, or I learn to grow in my consistency and steadfastness. Now, so here's the thing, right? I want to focus more on this principle, right? People primarily respond to our mindset, how we regard them, not our behaviors. I've come to realize over the years of being with Arbinger and just looking at my own life, that this is the key to being happy in life, building better relationships at home. Because I have no control over other people. The only thing I have control over is my own mindset and my own reaction. And the more I focus on just working and improving my own mindset, I notice more and more people respond 
favorably, healthfully back to me. But the moment I'm focusing on behaviors, everything goes wrong. So I'd like to invite you to consider how deeply convicted are you with this principle that people primarily respond to our mindset, not our behaviors. And do our behaviors on a daily basis actually, are they consistent to this belief? Or are we trying to you know, demonstrate the right behaviors without the right mindset? I'd like to invite you to keep thinking about that. So the question then is, how do we turn outward? So here's the thing, right? The key to turning outward is heightening self-awareness. And the other webinars that were run by Faisal and team, right? Talked a lot about the importance of self-awareness. And I'm going to beat that same point again and again. Why is this so? Because by strengthening self-awareness, we start to feel deeply accountable for three major things. Number one, our responsibilities. Number two, our impact on others. And number three, it deepens our conviction and desire to want to be more healthy. Now, let me share with you a story here. I'm an early morning person. I wake up early, whether it's a weekday or weekend. So if it's a weekend, I'm either running or I first go to the market you know, to buy the vegetables I love to cook. You know, this particular weekend, I went to the market, I bought vegetables, and I'm just walking back to the car. Now, as I'm walking back to the car, I pass a florist. And straight away, I'm having a sense, buy flowers for the three girls in my house, my wife and my two daughters. So I bought three stalks of roses. I come home, my daughters are opening the door. My little daughter, Shona, opens the door together with Sonia, the elder daughter, and I pass them each a flower. Shona, the little one, starts to pluck out all the petals, the, my elder daughter, Sonia, is now looking for a book to smash the flower into. All fine. I leave all the things I bought beside the door, and I'm now looking for Muller. She's somewhere in the house. I approach her and give her the flower and say, darling, for you. She says, ah, and just leaves it beside where she was and continues to do her chores. No smile, no thank you, nothing. And I'm triggered. I'm totally upset I didn't get anything. And this is I'm starting to have a worst-case scenario narrative in my head. What does it take? I'm trying so hard. Why can't you even say thank you? You know, what's wrong, you know? And I start to recall a 10-year history, right, of all the evidence that I have in my head about how she has been unfair to me, not treating me properly, not being part of the solution, et cetera, et cetera. And this is going, for, going on for a few minutes in my head. I'm not telling her anything. And suddenly I notice, oh, shucks, I'm deep in the box. I'm having an inward mindset right now. And then I pause. And then I started thinking, hey, wait a minute. I went to the market because I cannot sleep. I bought flowers. I, I bought vegetables. I decided to buy flowers. I come home. I look for Malu. And because I got a $1.50 flower, she should smile, say thank you, and be happy. With no regard at all for whether she had an altercation with the kids, whether she received a call that was troubling whether she's worried about work on Monday, whether, you know, somebody, something happened. Did I do something that's bothering her? With no regard at all for her life and what's happening in her life. Because I got her a $1.50 flower, she should smile, say thank you, and be happy. Now, what do you call that? I've now come to realize that if I do anything and expect an almost instantaneous reaction, it might be the biggest sign that I have an inward mindset. Because in that moment, I've discounted the reality of other people around me. So you notice, the moment I had that self-awareness, it helped me, you know, take control of my emotions, right? It, it, not to cope with them, but to get out of them. And this is very critical. Self-awareness doesn't help me cope with them because when I cope with a certain emotion, I'm still stuck in those emotions. It is not about controlling and coping. It's about getting out of them. And the only way to get out of them is to heighten self-awareness. And the moment I got out of those emotions with the self-awareness that happened, I was able to see the situation and Malur very differently. Now, with the self-awareness, right? The question then is, okay, uh, so before we talk about what do we do with the self-awareness? Let's talk about how can you heighten self-awareness? And the key is really this, enabling reflective conversations. And the question, therefore, is this. 
what type of conversations are we generally having at home? Let, let me give you two different contrasts, okay? Now, are we telling and advising in every conversation we have at home? Or are we seeking understanding? Are we expressing how victimized we are? Or are we sharing our challenges and worries? Are we punishing and blaming? Or are we compassionate? Are we judging? Or are we being curious? Are we getting others to change? Or are we, or are we exploring where we need to change? Are we starting our conversation by pointing out the bad behaviors of others? Or are we starting our conversations by acknowledging our bad behaviors first? Are we sharing good stories about ourselves? It shuts people down. Or are we sharing good stories of others? The type of conversations we have, right, can either enable reflection or disable it. These type of conversations are red ones, right? We call them inward mindset conversations. They block reflection and undermine self-awareness. Whereas the other type of conversations, they invite reflection and strengthen self-awareness. So as a first step, I'd like to invite each of you to just take stock, just recall the day, and just focus on, just become aware of the conversations you have today at home. Are they more telling? Are they more red? Or are they more blue? Meaning, are they blocking reflection, undermining self-awareness, or are they inviting reflection and strengthening self-awareness? Now, with the heightened self-awareness, we are better placed to reflect on a situation and act on it differently. And I now want to share with you a simple template that can help us do this. Okay, if you have a piece of paper, you may wish to actually write down your thoughts as we move through this template. Okay, first thing, Think of someone in your family you want to improve things with. Okay, I hope all of you have someone in mind. Now, keeping that person in mind, can you now reflect and write down if you have a piece of paper, what is this person in this situation or wanting, trying to accomplish? What are their needs, goals, burdens, challenges? Pen your thoughts down. Just take a few seconds. I'm just going to pause for a while. Okay, now let's go to the second question. How have I gotten in their way or added to their challenges, trials, burdens, or pains? Keeping this person in mind, think of ways you might have caused problems for them, added to their challenges, trials, burdens, or pains. Please pen your thoughts down. Again, I'm going to pause for a few seconds. Next, think of any other ways, large, medium-sized, or small, that have mistreated or neglected this person. Recall moments when you might have mistreated this person with your words, with your actions, or neglected them. Pen down your thoughts again. Next, in light of all this, in light of their burdens, their goals, their needs, their worries, in light of the fact that I might have gotten in their way or added to their challenges, trials, burdens, or pains, in light of the fact that I might have mistreated them or neglected them, identify something that you feel you could or should do for this person, something you can do today, an action item. Just pen down for yourself. Only you know what that is.
And finally, right? How can I keep myself accountable for having a positive impact on this person and on this situation? How are you gonna keep stock and measure yourself, right, regularly? Maybe every other day, right? Hey, how have I been doing for the past few days? Have I caused any problems? How are you gonna check yourself? What is the cadence you're gonna establish for yourself to just check in to, with yourself to see how you're doing? Okay, I'd like to invite you to think about what kind of cadence you would set for yourself. Now, I'm gonna give you a little bit of homework and that is this. Whatever you thought of and questioned for an action item that you feel you could or should do, please do it this today and see what happens. All right. With that, we've come to the end of the webinar. I'll just summarize what we've explored so far before we can go into Q&A, right? Number one, we talked about how conflicts start and sustain themselves, the collusion diagram. We also talked about how when we have an inward mindset, when we are in a collusion, we are part of the problem. We also learned how to appreciate conflicts, how to appreciate that conflicts are symptomatic of the inward mindset. The source of all conflicts are the inward mindset. A mindset problem requires a mindset solution. When in an outward mindset, we make no distinctions in behavior. We respond as we feel right in any given moment. And this freedom is only available to us when we work on our own mindset. Mindset change is possible with self-awareness. Reflective conversations help immensely in heightening self-awareness. And finally, ponder any situation anew with impact focus in mind. Now we have a question here. It takes a lot of time to implement these. What would be the first step? I always believe the first step is self-awareness. A lot of people tend to rush into wanting to do actions, but I find just learning to take a pause, you know, learning to observe, become an observer as much as the actor in any situation, right? How am I handling this? Am I seeing this person as a person right now? If I were to see this person as a person, how would I do this differently? Just having that level of self-reflection is a great thing to embed into our daily practice because the moment I'm able to do that, what to do as a next step, as a second step and a third step, it naturally unfolds itself. We don't have to try hard to figure out what to do. Remember, when we have an outward mindset, we respond as we feel right. So the question, the first question is not to ask, what do I do? But how do I strengthen my outward mindset? Now, somebody said mindfulness practice will improve self-awareness. You're absolutely right. The thing is, how do you now make mindfulness something that is a natural thing that is happening throughout the day rather than at a particular time of the day? How do you now bring that self-reflection, that mindfulness into every simple act, action that we do? Now, so if you want to know more about Arbinger, the books that are available are Leadership and Self-Reception, The Anatomy of Peace and the Outward Mindset books. They're available uh, for online purchase. Okay. Now, uh, Faisal, Faisal, would you like to share something about your book at this point? That's fine. It's just another, another resource. So the one I initially read was Leadership and Self-Deception. And then before I came to you, I read The Anatomy of Peace. And we're, all, we're both talking about the same thing, about imposition, expectation, and judgment. And in families, the impact that has, especially on the next gen, as well as others, is, is really, really where a lot of miscommunication, mistrust is built, leading to lack of family longevity and generational continuity. So this is when we talked about, when you talked about, again, we control two things in life, the meaning we give and our response. And the four steps is to really, you know, embrace what is with trust and calmness for clarity to emerge, to live a life in flow. So it's really putting what you're saying into living day to day what you said, instead of living it you know, mindfully at particular times of the day, how can we make this a default and, ma and make it tangible and accessible? And that's the objective of the book. Go ahead, Santa. Thank you. Uh, so we are now going to the Q&A part of the webinar. 
Now we have one question that was raised and I hope I have understood your question right. Uh, how to move from conscious to subconscious. You know, um, uh, what I find is I'm a lay person and I find, uh, you know, things, uh, you know, processing things simply as a lay person works better for me. So for me, I find it easier to just focus on something that I can appreciate, comprehend, self-awareness. I'm mindful. Am I able to see what I'm doing? Am I able to see, observe myself, right? Am I able to check for myself, hey, am I seeing this person as a person right now? And if I'm not, uh, what is wrong right now, right? If I were to see them as a person, how would I do things differently? I find a more practical approach helping me uh, rather than, you know, uh, focusing on how to, you know, uh, because moving from conscious to subconscious, they are all higher order ways of thinking about life. And I find, at least for me, just focusing on the lay way of living life, right? Okay, just be more self-aware, be more mindful, you know? It's a great place to start before we go. And you notice as we start in that place, a lot of things that we do become subconscious. We don't have to worry about it, okay? Yeah, we have another question. How can you manage the other's mindset from inward to outward? Now, this is a trick question, okay? Because a lot of people think working on my mindset is one set of efforts and working on helping other people shift their mindset is another piece of work. But actually, that is a trick. That's a trap. There's only one question in front of us, and that is, how do I improve my own mindset? Because it is in my improving my mindset that I invite a shift in other people and in their mindset. But the moment I'm fixated with how to shift the other person's mindset, I neglect mine. And I become, I have a tendency to become manipulative. And that is a trap. So the answer to the question, how do I help shift other people's mindset is the same thing. I have to start with my own mindset and work on my own mindset. And the more I work on my mindset, I get the freedom to demonstrate the right behaviors. I may have to be hard. I may have to give that tough feedback to that person. I have to have a very consequential conversation with this person. I'll have to be gentle, I have to say sorry. And in that freedom to express the right behaviors in the right moment, the, it powerfully invites other people to change as well. So the answer to the question, how do I invite others to change, is not a separate answer. It goes back to me. And how can I strengthen my own mindset and recover my freedom to do the right thing at the right time? We have another question. How can we manage the stress management and routine work? Now, stress in Arbinger, what we say is stress is actually a blaming emotion because stress is coated with what, hey, what will other people think of me? There's, stress has a lot of uh, you know, implications on how I view the world. Stress primarily suggests I'm worried about what other people think of me, how other people might judge me. So if I were to uh, have stress, it'll again boil down to my own self-awareness. Hey, what am I concerned about? Why am I worried about being judged? What am I worried? Uh, what, what, what am I scared about? What's the consequence of people think of me negatively, right? It's about, again, self-awareness. I think we've run out of time. I'm going to hand over to uh, Faisal. Faisal, again, thank you so much. And the audience, thank you so much for your participation and your, you know, your, your time. Uh, Faisal, all yours. Thank you very much, Santhal. Really, what an honor and privilege. Um, it was an incredible experience being with you and uh, working together. And you know what? Um, I can't wait to announce the living with an outward mindset retreat for the genetic care families once we are out of this wonderful experience of lockdown, COVID, whatever you want to call it. And uh, so thank you, uh, Santo, for reminding us, um, for reminding me, and really on a celebration, I'd like to thank the families who've, who've helped genetic care be who they are today, my, my team uh, members who have really made this possible and Santo, as being part of that, thank you once again for the generosity of your time, your wisdom, and absolute authentic sharing. You walk the talk, and uh, we can feel it. And uh, once again, love and care. Thank you. Thank you, Vida. Thank you, everyone.
Bye bye. Before we go, we've got, uh, we have Kathleen back tomorrow in the evening. Uh, it's a little late, 10.30 Hong Kong time. Uh, then we have a treat, Dr. Shafali, who is uh, obviously the, the parenting, known for her parenting, uh, written The Conscious Parent, and uh, now going to work on, you know, working with us on living consciously. Then we have Graham helping us lead with impact remotely, and then another core player, in our team, how to put the, you know, your, your best foot forward to improve decision-making. So thank you very much, everyone. See you soon and uh, love to all. Thank you.